Welcome to True North Strong, a sports performance podcast, and I'm your host, Jay Malhado. Join me as I chat with some of the top sports performance practitioners from far and wide and discuss from a uniquely Canadian perspective all things sport and human performance. My goal is that within these conversations, we will uncover the through lines that connect us all. Welcome everyone to another episode of True North Strong, a sports performance podcast. I'm really excited to welcome Alana Colson, who is the lead coach fitness and performance at the University of Toronto. Um, so welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jay. I'm happy to be here. You know, we've known each other directly, indirectly for quite a long time. I think probably meeting the first time I was at UFT for a Hockey Canada camp, but you know, also through some of your work with the NSCA as well and, and through conferences and things like that, which we'll, we'll get into as well, I'm sure. But if you could just kind of talk us through your path to, you know, how you started in industry and, and how you got to your role now at uh, University of Toronto. Sure. Um, so I guess to start, we can go way back. I was always involved in, in sports and very interested in um, kind of all aspects to do with sport um, and I remember my dad actually just brought this up the other day I was uh, I think he said I was around 12 and we were watching a football game and we uh, there was a, a, an injury and a, a, the trainer ran onto the field and I was like dad who's that person who goes to help the athletes there and my dad was like oh well, that's the trainer and apparently I was like that's what I want to do. <laughs> so to skip forward to, I think uh, maybe it was grade 11 when you could do co-ops in high school. And I did a co-op at a, a rehab clinic um, where they had some athletic trainers and physios. And I quickly realized this was not what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, I was more into the journey into the strength and conditioning department formally started or strength and conditioning world. Um, and then I, I came back for my third year. I played basketball um, after my, my eye surgery um, and realized like, I don't have any peripheral in that eye. And basketball is a sport where peripheral vision is quite. <laughs> um, so third year went well, but I decided that I, I would take a step back from that. Like it wasn't just with the risks of, you know, an elbow getting lodged, an elbow fits very well into the eye socket. And right. I, I've weighed the, the risk rewards and decided I'd take a step back from there, which actually allowed me in my last year to focus a little bit more on um, the strength and conditioning position that I was involved with at McMaster. And then from there, I was, uh, I was invited to one of the Hockey Canada camps um, as a strength and conditioning coach to help out there. And once I graduated from McMaster, I did my um, under, or sorry, I did my master's at the University of Ottawa um, in sports psychology, oh, awesome. uh, where I also helped out with the Carleton women's hockey team in strength and conditioning. Um, and then once I finished my master's, I came back to, I'm from Burlington. So I came back to Burlington. Um, and then luckily uh, I had a couple doors in me in the university world again. Um, and uh, Adrian Lighttower, who's uh, my boss now at University of Toronto was looking for, excuse me, was looking for uh, a female counterpart. So I kind of uh, threw in my resume, had a little interview and here we are eight years later. 
Wow. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I, I bounced around too much, but yeah, that was kind of, kind of my journey. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like you said, just, just having that, that full experience as an athlete. And then, you know, a lot of us kind of maybe go through an injury and that uh, shapes us as far as maybe therapy or strength conditioning, or just opens our eyes to that, to that side of it. Right. And then, um, you know, being exposed to a really great uh, strength coach it, that, you know, I, with Steve and, and seeing how they work every day. And, and so um, that's a really cool, you know, path that's similar to a lot of people, but um, you know, how did you find your time in the private sector? Just cause I had a similar route as well. Um, you know, prepared you to, to now step into that university um, setting. Right. It's, it's a very, I'm sure a lot of people would agree. It's a very different environment and a lot of focus on sales. <laughs> right. um, and, you know, what, what you do really directly impacts who, who signs up, how much money you get. Um, and I've never been a, a salesperson. Um, so that side of things was really, I guess, daunting. Um, and it's kind of always in the back of your mind, you know, even if you do a great job, they might not like you or they, they might have other, um, other things that they're thinking about and they don't come back or, um, so I think that part of the private sectors was really tough for me. Um, but on the, on the flip side, just getting to meet a whole bunch of new people, whether, you know, there were youth classes to um, adults. Um, I remember one of my first sessions. Um, so at one of the gyms I was at, they wanted you to participate in one of the adult classes. So you got a sense of um, how things run, how the coach interacts with the um, clientele. And so my first session was also the first session of uh, a gentleman, a client there. And um, we kind of hit it off and he ended up doing private sessions with me. Um, and then his wife came and did private sessions with me and we still keep in touch now. Awesome. And that's the side of things where it's, it's really cool just to, to meet new people and um, figure out different paths and um, have that interaction. It's pretty rewarding being responsible as far as not putting too much uh, on coaches plates or on students plates, um, yeah. you know, is a big major part of that as well. So excited to kind of hear some of the things that you can share. We don't want to let all of the cats out yeah. of the bag, so to speak, but <laughs> sure. um, some of the things that you can share as far as, you know, things you learned uh, in the previous model and, and things maybe that you guys are adjusting in this one. But, you know, my favorite part of this uh, podcast has been, not only connecting with people that I know at a surface level or, or maybe don't even know that much at all, but really diving into the rapid fire and getting to know coaches outside of the weight room. Um, a lot sure. of times when we talk at, you know, conferences, it is about X's and O's. It is about, you know, periodization models or speed stuff or whatever. It's not about this <laughs> other stuff. So uh, I'm super right. excited for this, this part. I'm going to try not to stump you. But we'll start uh, kind of on the entertainment end. And what is your favorite movie? Uh, favorite movie, uh, one I could watch over and over again will be Remember the Titans. Um, but then also, uh, I'm a, a big Disney fan. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, that has come up a couple times, actually, that movie. Um, Remember the Titans? Yeah. Yeah. So good. <laughs> what's your favorite book 
Um, so I can't really choose just one, uh, but actually I did just finish listening to Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Um, would highly recommend it. Just lots of little nuggets in there for personal development, professional development, you name it. And really does he great. Read it? He does, okay. which is why I wanted to get the audio book. <laughs> like so relaxing. <laughs> That's definitely a, a bonus, a bonus piece to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, what's your favorite song or favorite artist? Um artist, uh, I'd have to go with uh, Zach Brown band and Eric Church. Okay. Fit on the countryside. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Into the food area now. Um, what's your favorite healthy food? Favorite healthy food. Oh man. Um, I love like a good like quinoa, like power bowl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a grain bowl. Yeah. So not like one food, but you know the mix. Yeah, and that's a great. That's a that's a kind of standard coaching meal, right? You don't really need to you just heat it up and go, and 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 kind of you're ready yeah. ready to roll, right? What about on the Absolutely. on the guilty pleasure side? You know, I've never met a chocolate chip cookie that I did not like. <laughs> that would definitely be my uh, go to snack. <laughs> awesome, awesome. You know, another piece of this is that Canadian aspect, um, trying to talk to Canadian coaches across the country, but um, also kind of talk about, you know, the travel that some of us have had over our careers, right? Um, mm -hmm. Is there a favorite Canadian city that you've visited? Doesn't have to be for work, can be for, for just vacation. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely love it out West. Um, we, my husband and I did a... Uh, kind of a camping trip through Banff and uh, Lake Louise that and did some hikes in that area. And it was absolutely stunning. That's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. Is there a city you'd like to visit in Canada still on the list? I've never been out to Halifax. Okay. I would love to love to go out east. Yeah, I've been to PEI, I've been to Newfoundland, um, but Halifax is still on the list. Awesome. Awesome. Um, <laughs> what about kind of generally, are you a big traveler? Um, what's kind of the favorite city you've like you've traveled to across the world absolutely um you know when you think to places you've been to I think a lot of it has to do with the experiences and you know the uh context or why you were there um but we we took our honeymoon in uh, uh Greece so Naxos Greece was one one of the islands that we stopped at that I would go back to in a heartbeat um, but also, uh, we, we did a little travel around Scotland, uh, at, at another time and just like Northern Scotland and, you know, the whiskey, the hill, just absolutely amazing. amazing. If I had to pick two. <laughs> it's a toss up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. absolutely. Um, is there a dream destination? Um, I'd love to go to like French Polynesia. Like just okay. some of the islands in there. Like I've been to New Zealand, um, but you know, just in like Fiji, Samoa, like that type of far, far away, but yeah. who knows if we'll get there, but that would yeah. be a, a dream destination. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, one of the best things, I think it's one of the best things in Canada is that we have all four seasons, right? Um, do you have a favorite? I love fall. I just love that, you know, crisp air, that 
refreshing coolness after the summer. I mean, I love all the seasons, but fall is definitely yeah. my number one. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, there's something that there's an energy that happens when you work in, in the collegiate university setting too around the, around the fall, like a lot of the sports are starting, the kids are coming back, you know, you're just kind of getting into the swing of things. And there's that that energy that comes with the fall. Um, yes, so much well. potential. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for a long time, that was that was what was the start of my year. I didn't really think January 1st was kind of the start of a year. It was always around September, right? So yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, no, that's awesome. I think some, some really, some really cool things in there. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, the transition or the kind of shifting that's happening at, at UFT and, um, how you, how you support your teams, um, and how that kind of has grown in the time that you've been there. Um, for those who don't know, UFT has a, a master's program of, of kinesiology, which is one of the few um, programs in the country ar- around that that kinesiology kind of area of study. And so, you know, I'm sure that's a big aspect of of your leadership role there. But um, if you could just talk about, yeah, like how you connect with those students and, and the undergrad students and um, how that's grown as well as you try to support, like you said, 18 uh, varsity programs. Sure. Um... So, yep, yeah, you're correct. We have a master's of uh, kinesiology, a professional program, and uh, they have what's called a CELO. So um, like an experiential learning, a specialized experiential learning opportunity. Um, and one of our, one of the CELOs is with us uh, in the fitness and performance department. Um, and I mean, so far, gosh, I think, is, is this the fourth year that it's been? running I, I don't even remember but um just we get you know about seven or eight students and um it's been a really a really cool partnership with with the um on the academic side of things just to uh help them on their way through the the kinesiology world um understand kind of where they want to go and and give them an, a little glimpse into the the fitness and the performance um, side of things. So it's, uh, it's definitely different than say having our um, undergrad students with us. Um, you know, these, the master's students come from a whole range of backgrounds. Um, and it's, uh, it's really cool just to help them and have them help us. Uh, in this in this world (laughs) are they there for like a semester or the whole year like what's the timeline and and do you set is there a curriculum on your end as well that you kind of go through with them or is it placed with the team and that's your team or is it kind of more helping uh everybody or all the teams right so um it's a it's a two semesters so they have their internal placement with us uh, that goes from September to April and then they get to uh, experience an external placements um, so with us we so we do have you alluded to it a very large uh, varsity program we're responsible for did I say 18 teams before about about 18 teams which is quite a lot um, and we have uh, in our years of, of working with this group, we've, we've started with uh, what we call multi-sport sessions. So um, it's a group of teams um, that come either in the morning or at uh, lunchtime. And we've kind of put 
the running of those sessions into our MPK's hands. So at, in the beginning, or MP, sorry, we call them our MPK students. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the beginning, you know, September, October, they kind of observe, learn how we run things, how uh, it works with that many athletes and getting them in and out in under an hour. Um, and then uh, with our guidance, they start becoming more involved in the session from, uh, you know, starting with just kind of warm up cool downs to completely running the session on their own. Um, so that kind of spans, you know, September to April where they get more comfortable in, in that type of setting. Um, we found that to be the best because it's hard around scheduling. Like if we put them with a team, um, sometimes there'll be lift times where they're in class. Right. Um, so we want them to get the most out of, out of the opportunity. And usually people don't have class at 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that's been kind of a, a much, after years of, of working through that, that's been kind of the best option that we found was to have those sessions in the morning. There's no conflicts uh, with classes. Um, so they can be there almost every morning they can uh, get that experience and get that bond with the, with the athletes and not have to worry about, you know, missing here, missing there or times change. So. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge piece is that those times are consistent and they know that. And so when they're setting their academic schedule, um, they can set around that, but they know that that's going to stay consistent versus, you know, we know coaches moving times and canceling lifts and, all these type of things and so oh yeah uh, you know they, they could have the potential to to not work with athletes for a week here or there because of all these kind of things so that's really cool and how many af student athletes are in those sessions are they kind of like multi you said kind of they're multi-sport right and so and then you said there's seven or eight um students right yeah um so it'll range like i think at one point there could be 20 to 30 athletes okay. in that session um and we have uh, like anywhere from six to eight mpk students so they they're staggered so we'll have uh you know two in the two on you know monday and wednesday two on tuesday and thursday and then there's also lunchtime um multi-sport sessions so uh, depending, there's always one or two days in the year where there's no classes or the MPKs don't have classes at, uh, at lunch. Um, so there, it's never too much where there's like, you know, five people standing around. <laughs> so right. we try and schedule it so that everybody has that opportunity to be involved and, and they don't feel like they're just kind of, you know, there's one athlete and four coaches. Right. Cause there's still the, there's still the undergrad students as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And is that yes. academic based that under those undergrad volunteers or interns that you get, is that academic based or is it non-academic volunteer based? Like how does that side work it, on, with the undergrads? It's non-academic. Um, they, it's, it's just based on kind of scheduling and uh, it is actually a paid position. Oh, awesome. um, so it's an assistant coach position. Um, so they don't like, they would kind of move up in tiers, um, but coming in as an undergrad, you know, they'd never have um, just one-on-one -on -one sessions with the athletes. Like there'd always be uh, one of us, like one of the coaches around. And 
yeah, it's anybody who's interested. Uh, this year, I think we have 15 or so. Um, so they're, yeah, they get involved and it's, it's, you know, sometimes there'll be one or two that really, really love this field and kind of pursue it afterwards, but really just getting involved, getting their hands wet, seeing what this, um, profession is, is all about, right. That's, you know, we try and focus on that mentorship aspect, um, because it's not just, uh, it's not just about, you know, coaching the athletes. It's, it's getting that real world experience of interacting, communicating, you need that in anything you do. Right. So we try and, we try and make it hopefully a fun environment where they can learn a little bit about the profession, but just get that real world experience of being, um, in a, a kinesiology session set, or setting. Sorry. Yeah. It's so, kin is so broad, especially over the first couple of years, right. Where, you know, you're not quite sure where you want to go and to have an opportunity like, you know, you got in high school and like I got in high school too, where you just kind of see what the field's about and see yeah. if it's for you or, or maybe, you know, more sports medicines for you or whatever. And then as you get to the third year, now you're, you know, selecting classes based around that and, and yeah. things like that. And, and really um, kind of customizing your degree, right. Or looking at the master's program at UFT, right. So, um, yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, you know, you mentioned you on uh, mat leave over the last year and a bit, and obviously yeah. the pandemic, so you kind of, you know, um, <laughs> is there an area that, you know, you guys have been looking at as far as growing the, the department um, that now you're excited to, to come back and, and get into or something you maybe, you know, found out on during the mat leave and now are excited to bring it back to the staff? Sure. Um... So one of the things that we've really been focusing on, um, both, you know, on the varsity side, on the rec side, it, it doesn't really matter. Like these undergrad students that are, are coming and getting involved with our sessions or our classes, uh, we don't want them just to, you know, come get a workout in and leave. We want them to learn. We want them to understand that they can take what we're hopefully teaching them um, with them when they, when they leave university, when they go elsewhere that, you know, when they, you know, when, um, say, uh, one of our student athletes is finished fourth year and, you know, they go out into the working world, they can step into a gym, they have competency making their own programs and understanding what, what to think about, how to put a program together, what, you know, key features they need to focus on. Like, um, that's been a, a real, I guess, motivating um, factor for our department over the past, I'd say a couple of years now. Yeah. Uh, it's not just about, you know, reps and sets and, um, you know, putting together a, a program. It's about uh, the education piece. It's about teaching um, our students the importance of activity for life. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we, we talk about that a lot now. It's, it's you know, sport is amazing. Um, and when obviously when you're in university, it's it's very important to say the student athletes that are competing. Um, but what happens afterwards? Right. We want to give them the tools to feel competent once they're finished um, this stage of life. So that's been a, a huge driving force for us in, in terms of how we put things together and um, how we coach um, and how, you know, how our, our staff development um works and and what that's based around is um how do we teach essentially right and is um, that kind yeah. of like 
you know, like you said, a daily thing, or do you do kind of structured presentations, maybe to graduating athletes or, you know, on the fitness end, or is it kind of more of a, a mix between probably every day, you're just kind of explaining little pieces of the program, but maybe you are doing a presentation more structured, uh, you know, at certain parts of the year. Yeah, definitely a bit of both. Our athletes, they get, they do get, you know, presentations, but we try and be a little bit more informal, you know, in the weight room when we're say, or, you know, on the field, like, for example, when we're looking at speed sessions, um, if we're doing uh, some plyos, um, you know, why does everyone need to do them in a straight line? Like, why can't we go up to the athlete? Okay, what sport are you in? Which ways do you move? What do you feel that you need to focus on? So if you're, okay, I want to work on my lateral quickness, let's do some side to side, you know, double leg plyos. Um, do you want to work on uh, getting up? higher, like instead of moving, uh, you know, rebound for a basketball player. Okay. Let's do some in the, on the spot. Um, so creating more autonomy for the athletes within the session is okay. Like, this is what you want to focus on. This is how this type of movement can relate to what you're talking about. And hopefully that gives them the, um, the opportunity to really think about what they're doing and think about how it's impacting their sport. Because at the end of the day, when they're there for their sport or, you know, they're there to play basketball, they're there to play hockey. So we want to relate what we're doing to how they can improve, um, whether it's, you know, on the court, on the field, whatnot. So just that, you know, relating aspect and um, kind of putting two, two and two together where, you know, otherwise maybe they would just kind of go through the motions. Yeah, that connecting the dot piece is, is so important generally, you know, like you said, for yeah. transfer and things like that. But also, you know, that's just going to ingrain it in their in their memory a little bit better. So when they are graduated or they're finished and maybe they're playing, you know, rec sport or they just, you know, um, are programming for themselves that they remember. Oh, yeah. OK, so if I'm doing a lateral session, then maybe my warm up should be more lateral based or my player yeah. should be more lateral based if, if, you know, I'm still playing rec soccer or I'm still, you know, playing hockey or whatever. So yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's always a question, you know, I, I got, I'm sure you get it too, that those last few weeks of school from a graduating athlete, Hey, like, can you make me a program? Like, yeah, what do I do like, after yeah, this? what do I do? And it's like, uh, okay, well yeah. I failed, you know, like, yeah, the last <laughs> what have we done the last four or five years? <laughs> exactly. And, and do we have, you know, and, and that's, that's an area for growth for a lot of us, right? Like, do we have the resources to, you know, help them through the year so they don't get to yeah. that point, but even if they do, yeah. do we have a, like a package that we give them a graduating athlete package and you know, this is whatever. And yeah, um, yeah that's really, really cool. Um, yeah. Is there, is there I mean, piece, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, I was gonna say we'll we'll see how it see how it goes, you know, in five years from now, when <laughs> ten years from now, we'll see how uh, how they're doing out in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, those are the calls. Hopefully, you get is hey, like, you know, I yeah. remember what you told me, or you know, you see them doing other things. Maybe they get into running, or maybe they get into other things, and you know, take some of those uh, concepts with them, right? As as they transition, for sure. Um, into other sports or, or, or life. Right. So, um, yeah, absolutely. is there, is there a piece as far as, you know, a little bit, uh, in the X's and O's like, to, 
you know, how much technology you guys are using. I bet with the master's program, probably you have access to some things, but what does that look like from, from your end? Again, the volume of teams you have, you know, there's gotta be some, if you do use anything, there's gotta be a pretty tight system to it. But um, what does that look like for you guys, as far as some of that technology piece? We've, um, I'd say we've scaled back on a lot of our um, specific technology. Like we have, uh, you know, the smart speed lasers for um, sprints and some agility work, but uh, you know, besides heart rate monitors, a lot of our, we do, um, we do assessments like video capturing assessments where we look at our mobility and um, the literacy of, of our athletes um, with various movements. But apart from that, like, I wouldn't say we use too much technology because we found that, you know, we collect a whole bunch, but how do we use it? Now you step back, you evaluate and say, Hey, like, we really like this or some of the technology that you have, like, you know, are we utilizing it to its full potential? Are we just using it for mm-hmm. testing, but maybe we should be using it in training more, right? With reactive agility and things like yeah. that. And, yeah. and maybe just that switch is is going to help your program so much, right? Not necessarily buying a new piece, but better utilizing the pieces that you already have. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously there's something to be said about just observing your athletes day by day, right? And, and just looking at how they're progressing from session to session. And you don't need anything for that. I mean, we do use uh, uh, Bridge Athletic for um, our program develop or not program development, but program implementation. Um, so there's the ability to record everything they're lifting. Um, but sometimes just your, your eye on that day and, and how you engage with the athletes on a, on a week-to-week basis, that's also a a very telling um, data system, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, yeah, no, right? for sure, for sure. Uh, again, you you if you lose, you could lose that eye or never develop it if yeah. you're just always nose is looking at a tablet. Yeah, right? too or focused just, on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's really great. Um, yeah, one of my favorite movies is Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, if you could jump into the DeLorean and go back in time, uh, is there a situation within your career that you'd go like to go back to kind of offer your younger self just a little guidance? Um, you know, what would that be for you? And, and what would you say to yourself? Yeah, I don't think it would be, a, you know, a specific point in time, maybe just kind of the university age in general. Um, where I just, I just tell myself to relax. It doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Right. <laughs> That's kind of, you know, I'm oftentimes I'm still telling myself that, but you know, it's that awareness piece <laughs> that I think you don't really have back then. Um, there, you know, there's a lot of things that I think now I, I wished I, I had done, but I was too worried about uh, not not making it perfect or, or that I would fail, um, which, you know, with failures, sometimes your best teacher. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, like that, that would be my, my number one, my number one thing. And I think you realize like now that, now that I have a kid and I've gone through that, uh, 
you know, being a, a parent is a whole nother ball game. Um, and my mom said to me countless times is, you know, you do the best you can at the moment, in the moment with the information you have. Um, and that's just what we're all trying to do, right? You can look back and say, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but at that point in time, you, you did your best. And uh, I wish I could have told myself that back then, right. you know, and, and not have had the, the worry of, of being perfect or, um, you know, not doing something because I was afraid that it wouldn't come out the way I wanted it to, or the way it should come out. Um, right. So, like I said, you know, I still have to tell myself that, but uh, it's, it's, it's that awareness piece now that you're kind of like, okay, well, if it's not perfect, then I'm going to learn from it. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's such a big, a great piece of advice. And um, I think a lot of people, no matter where you are in your career, you're, like you said, it's something you're, you're always reminding yourself of, but um, yeah. you know, to realize that a little bit sooner, I think gets your, uh, is a big advantage, right? Yeah. <laughs> As we speak right now, you can't see, but you're at the cottage. Um, what's your escape, yeah. uh, to kind of recharge the batteries. I feel like you're going to say go to the cottage, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's just to get away from the professional a little bit and, and recharge the batteries. Yeah, well, I, yeah, you're right. I do. I do love being at the cottage, being outdoors, you know, going on hikes, walks in the lake, what you, what have you. Um, now that I've made the transition back to work from maternity leave, like spending time with uh, my daughters, a, a big one, because, you know, I'm, I was away uh, from work and with her 24 seven, pretty much. And now I don't see her obviously as often. So, you know, I'm really trying to savor those moments with her and uh, watch her as she grows and, and being uh, and as involved as I can with her development. So those, I guess, would be the big things. And so something that probably not very many people know about me and something that's really um, helped me with taking my mind off things is I actually knit. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, just, you know, being able to kind of relax, you know, throw the TV on and um, keep my hands busy has been um, it's it calms me down. It's de-stressing and then you uh, can make something nice. So. Uh, countless baby blankets for all the <laughs> the friends and family that uh, right. have had uh, had kids in the past and are having kids but that's, that's awesome. a little funny thing <laughs> <laughs> I just read uh, one of the Great Britain athletes I think he is uh, one of the divers maybe who won a gold medal I guess he knits too and has been knitting in the village <laughs> and, and knit a, a cozy for the metal so it wouldn't get banged around oh uh, my gosh i so, did not hear that but that's so, amazing yeah, yeah so maybe there's another area for you you know the metal cozies you know for your athletes when yeah when you guys win medals so they don't <laughs> get banged around right and scratched yeah. up but so. it's actually so funny it's uh it's almost like a, a closet hobby where no one's really wants to admit that they do it but you realize like there's a lot of people that do it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and like you said, a lot of a lot of times it's those, you know, mundane and kind of routine tasks that just lets the mind just kind of zone out and and things become clearer. So that's uh, absolutely that's really cool. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, I just, again, wanted to thank you for, for coming on. I, I think you guys at UFT are doing some, some great, great things. And it's exciting that you, you know, you're going to be back and um, continuing to grow that program. Um, what's the, you know, I know you're not super social media, but um, you know, is there a place that people can reach out to you? Um, that's maybe the best way. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I don't, you know, post a lot, but uh, A.N. Colson is uh, my handle. Um, that's definitely probably the best best awesome. place besides, uh, you know, email. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'll put um, that in the show yeah. notes so that people can kind of connect with you. That's another big part of this is kind of trying to connect uh, coaches with each other. And maybe we do see each other at a conference, but maybe we can we can communicate a little bit more in between. So. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, I really uh, appreciate what you're doing here. It's great to, to hear other people in the field, especially being Canadian. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been really great. And I think what you're doing is awesome. Thank awesome. you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.